Thank you, Mike, very much. Well, good morning to everyone and a very happy new year to all of you. It's a blessing to enjoy starting off the new year on, on New Year's Day in the Lord's house. And it's a blessing to see all of you here. Glad to see you slip, slided your way across the parking lot into here. Uh, more or less without mishap. I did have one fall out there. I hope you uh, going out will have none. And uh, I'm hoping also that um, many of you, uh, in fact, all of you are planning on staying afterwards for our fellowship meal that we always have at the uh, first Sunday of the month. We've got plenty of food there to, to share, so I do hope you'll make plans to join us with that. And also one more, one more little PSA, public service announcement. Um, you know, we get lots, we've got lots of uh, new folks who've been coming recently, and I'm trying to keep up with connections, but I don't necessarily have everybody's uh, email yet um, for sending you things like the bulletin, which we send out every week. It has all the announcements, it has the worship order, so you can be preparing for worship and so on. If you have not been receiving that uh, for the past few weeks, and and uh, you're relatively new, please let me know, and we'll add that so that you can uh, get that from week to week. And for those of you online that are watching, um, you are more than welcome also, if you'd like me to send you the bulletin uh, with all the worship orders, so you can be ready uh, to go for a Sunday morning. Let me know. Um, you can send it to lenpine uh, at gmail.com. It's also on the website. You can uh, contact us there, and I'll make sure you get at it. All right. With that, let's uh, take our Bibles, if you would, please. Turn to the book of Joshua. I have, uh, my intention is, God willing, uh, through the course of this year, to you know, preach uh, through the life of King David uh, is going to be the plan, however long that takes. But I thought for this first Sunday of the year, um, uh, I would uh, take a page from Joshua before we got into the actual kingdom. Um, we're going to uh, just look at this first chapter of the book of Joshua. Now, this is, uh, as I was looking at this and thinking about what it would do here on this New Year's Day. This message came to mind. I actually preached this here back in November of 2010, just about uh, a month or two after we started this church. And uh, at that time, we went through the entire book of Joshua, so we're not going to do that. But uh, it just seemed that this particular message, at this particular time, should uh, be repeated and uh, would have some words of encouragement for us. When um, I was skimming through uh, uh, Facebook this past week, ran across a cartoon panel of uh, a whole bunch of people all huddled around behind the corner of a wall. Okay, imagine this wall here, they're all like this. And over on the other wall, there's a door, and on the door it says 2023. And this group of people has this big long pole, and they're 
they're over there and they're pushing the pole up against the door and they're just beginning to open it and it says steady as she goes folks and it really kind of depicts uh what uh, many people are thinking about this year to come it's 2022 has had its challenges has it not and 2023 i mean there i mean you know it's the media it's social media you know people are like oh this is going to be this is going to be great oh it's going to be wonderful or this is going to be worse than 2022 you know it's people are just um uncertain and afraid perhaps of what the new year is going to bring and certainly we should not be presumptive and just rush in you know have some thoughtfulness as we approach our lives with the Lord in the year to come. But it's all steady as you go. All right, fine. But for the believer, especially, uh, the uh, idea of being afraid of the future is not something that should characterize our hearts. But here we have in the book of Joshua um, the story of the conquest of the promised land of Israel setting out to claim its inheritance. And we already know, do we not, uh, that under Moses, the people got um, caught up in their own fears when they heard the reports of the giants in the land and they refused to go in and therefore the Lord judged that generation. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And now uh, they are preparing to cross over the River Jordan and take possession of the land. And in effect, this chapter has a steady-as-you-go, folks, kind of feel to it. But steady with courage, steady with strength, um, not getting ahead of ourselves and certainly not getting ahead of the Lord, but pursuing the things that he has for us in the year to come. Now, Israel, as they're going to uh, possess this inheritance um, that was promised to them, they had uh, the particular inheritance that is in view here is the land itself, as well as the prosperity that they were promised to enjoy in that land. As we read through this passage here in a moment, I want you to think about what your inheritance is. What is it that you and I should be pursuing and expecting to possess uh, by the very grace of God in the days to come. So with that question and thought in mind, if you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's holy word, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of Yahweh, Yahweh said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, 
Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Um, I shouldn't have looked up. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that Yahweh your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded you, saying, Yahweh your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until Yahweh gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that Yahweh your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may Yahweh your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. God adds his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Please be seated. So let's think about our inheritance. I believe that as far as the Lord is concerned, your inheritance as a Christian it's found nowhere else but in the established covenant community. We talked about it uh, already, did we not, as we read together the Westminster Creed. Uh, it, the Lord has established the visible church out of which there's no ordinary possibility of salvation. This is the place where the Lord normally uh, reveals himself in his word and among his people and where his blessings are the most you know, intense and obvious, or should be. And such blessings as peace and joy, uh, contentment, communion with God, success and prosperity in your faith, uh, all of these are part of and parcel of the inheritance that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Canaan was the proving ground for Israel's maturity. What is your proving ground? Is it leaking pipes in a new home? Is it illness? Is it um, different challenges of, of uh, finances that you might have? Uh, is it challenges even in the 
political arena around us, the social arena around us, the various challenges that there are to standing firm in the faith that uh, occur even in our um, freer society, of course, in many places around the world. Um, even the, the loss of freedoms that we have experienced uh, compared to what others <laughs> are uh, as nothing. And yet, the Lord is there in all, in all of those situations as well. And each of us has uh, hope and, and the prospects of peace and contentment and joy no matter what our other circumstances might be. Now think about this. The word strong and courageous, you know, that phrase occurs several times, does it not, in this chapter? Strength here can literally speak of physical strength. There's a, there's a potential to that. It's uh, the, the idea of, all right, I can flex my muscles and know that there's some strength there. It's not been used yet. It's there. Um, there's also an idea of, of uh, something that is a holding fast or tenacity, that kind of, that kind of aspect to the strength is in this word. So that's where the it can be spoken of as being courageous. It's spoken of being uh, confident. The word courage, as it's we have translated here, is a is a strong word. Uh, it is the idea of stoutness, of boldness. It's the tangible demonstration of it. It's living out that potential strength with that kind of tenacity, taking hold and not letting go. That is what Joshua says is going to be necessary and that is what is repeated back to him by the people as they tell him to be strong and courageous and certainly he is going to need that it takes strength and courage to possess your inheritance now 12 years ago plus uh, when i preached this for the first time here in this congregation um nope Oh, no, there's one person here, one person here uh, that heard this message. Uh, so, Tom, if you want to come up, anytime if I falter, you can come up and you can finish it, okay, because you were here 12 years ago, and I'm sure you remember it word by word, every bit. Every bit yeah. But it seemed appropriate to think about Joshua and the prospects of going into the promised land as we were starting a new congregation, and here we had the the, the, the promise and the expectation, the hope that was there, that a, a faithful testimony would be established. And so we were, our mindset was in a, in a little different, different place and thinking about something new. As we stand here today, we've been here now 12 years. It's not about um, necessarily thinking about the possession or the inheritance of a, of a, of a congregation where we could worship. Um, uh, God in, in, in according to his word faithfully that's been realized and we continue to want to live in that inheritance but uh, the mindset now as we look around us and it's not so much an, an, an inner look I think I think we're we're really looking at all of the 
assaults that there are on liberties and upon decency and morality that are rampant in in our community, in our state, in our nation. And it can feel kind of hopeless. And uh, we can feel like, uh, you know, where's the Lord in all this? And how are we going to stand firm? And while there's lots for us to do as, as citizens um, of our nation, but also uh, as members of our congregation in terms of our witness and all of that, yeah, we need to recognize that just as it was when we were beginning and thinking, boy, Lord, we really need your help. We really need your help to get this established. My friends, we need his help <laughs> all the more now to stand firm, to not waver, to take possession of all that he has for us. We've only begun to take of his blessings. There's more to come. An old evangelist years ago, uh, the Southern evangelist, um, so he talked a lot about food, some of his illustrations. But one illustration that I particularly remember, he described going into a church like today with a fellowship meal afterwards, and spread of food there, and he talked about going in, and this was in college, and so he's describing this meal to a bunch of college students in chapel right before lunch. And so we were all, like, salivating. Bob, you might, you might have been there for this particular uh, message. But anyway, um, he went on and described all of the main dishes and all the side dishes, and they were tantalizing, and we could smell them. And he says, as great as all that is, the best part is when somebody says, keep your fork, because dessert's coming. The best is yet to come. You know, we've... we've the last 12 years, we have experienced some marvelous things. And even this past, this past year, in spite of all the challenges, illness and, and uncertainty in the world, and all those things that are going on, the Lord has still blessed us. He's answered prayers. It's, it's been marvelous. But beloved, keep your fork. There's more to your possession in this life and in the next. But it takes strength and courage to possess it. Strength and courage that only the Lord can give you. Take a look at this passage as we go through. Uh, verses uh, 2 through 6 speak of, of uh, the actual going in. Moses is dead now. Joshua is taking up the mantle. And now the command uh, from the Lord is go, arise, and go into Jordan and and possess everything. Every place you tread upon, you will possess. And he names, uh, you know, from uh, the land of the Hittites, uh, from the great river, the river Euphrates, on the land of the Hittites to the north, the great sea uh, to the west, no one's going to be able to stand against you. There's, There are enemies there. But uh, God says, you will stand. Now, in this strength and courage, where does this strength and courage come from? Because you need that strength and courage if you are going to do battle against uh, the enemies of God. So you don't turn tail and run. Well, 
the, I, I love what we see here. Just at the very beginning. The Lord's command is not uncertain, is it? He doesn't say, well, I kind of have a plan here. And, you know, if, if, if you think if, if you think it's a good one, maybe you should, you know, take a look over there across the Jordan. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you might consider it. He <laughs> doesn't do that, does he? He says, go. I've done this. This is a sure command. You know, if, if leadership is ambivalent, uh, how's the organization under that leader going to work? Some of you are in leadership positions. And you know, if, if you're uncertain and you're waffling on things, well, the folks that are following you are kind of not going to be too sure about going forward. On the other hand, I think all of us have probably also sat under leaders that didn't have a clue about what they were doing, but they were sure confident. And people would follow them into whatever disaster might occur because they were clueless, but it, but people look at that ability uh, that they have, that the leader has to, you know, raise confidence in them and confidence in the plan, and they'll go with it. Now, the ideal thing is, of course, that as a leader, you actually know what you're doing and are enthusiastic enough and clear enough in your ability to communicate it that those under you clearly know where they're going, they know what the plan is, and they're encouraged to do it. That's really what's happening here. The Lord is saying to Joshua, be strong, be courageous. I've commanded you. This is sure and certain, and in every detail, you may know that I will carry out what I've promised you. It's a sure command. Do we have any sure commands to live by in God's word? Well, there's a few. There's just a few. Um, I have listed there in your notes, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You might uh, take a look over there. Um, just an example. And now I chose this one only because there are so many in such a short period of time. Um, oh, let's see. Beginning at verse 12, respect those who labor among you, esteem them highly, um, be at peace among yourselves, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them, uh, don't repay anyone evil for evil, seek to do good to one another and to everyone, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Pretty clear. And we could spend the rest of the day going through the scriptures and looking at all the various commands that the Lord has for us in terms of hiding his word in our heart and hating evil and striving uh, lawfully and, and, uh, and giving witness and testimony with hope of the hope that lies within us and so on. We've got lots of sure commands. As young people, um, it's, not, it's not just young people, but it seems like it's more prominent, happens more often among uh, young people who are beginning their life, trying to figure out where they're going, what they're going to be, and all of that. There's a, all this you know, turmoil and tension and, and, and wondering about, you know, what's God's will for me? What's going to happen? And, what am, what am I supposed to do with my life and all of that? 
And whenever I have someone come to me and it's wrestling with those kind of questions, I say, well, I turn them to places like First Thessalonians 5. It, you want to know what God's will is? There it is. Do those things. Do the things that you know. Do the things that he's commanded you to do that are clear and sure and certain. And those things that you can't see yet, the things that are behind the veil of the future yet that you can't understand, he'll show you that all in good time. Just like he did with Joshua. You know, they're standing there on the, on the east side of Jordan. They're looking across, and they look at that and go, whew. Yep, there's a country over there. There's a land over there. Our forefathers used to live over there, but none of them had ever been there. They didn't know the paths. They didn't know the roads. They didn't know the cities. They didn't know the food. They didn't know the, the, the land. They didn't know anything about it, except that they had roots there long, long ago. But the Lord would go before them, would he not? In fact, if they had known all that they were going to face, as that we read in the rest of the book of Joshua, they probably would have turned tail and run again, like they did the first time. Because there's a lot to take in, just like you and me. But we have sure commands that are clear. Things that the Lord gives us grace to do. So let's get to it. And take strength, be bold, be tenacious. To apply our strength to doing those things that he commands us to do. Not only is the command sure, but so is the promise. There's clarity in direction, but there's also clarity in what they will what they will gain as they walk in obedience to the Lord. Now, in verses three through six, there's emphasis upon the land and possessing the land. God initiated this promise of the land with Abraham, if you'll recall. He confirmed it with Moses and now here with Joshua. And he secured it with David, which we'll be talking about uh, throughout the course of this year. Uh, it was a matter of oath. Look at verse 6. You shall cause this people to inherit the land and that I swore to their fathers to give them. This was not a casual promise. This was a promise that was based upon uh, an oath, and an oath that was grounded in the very character and power and perfection of God. That's a sure promise. God initiated it. And God's promises to you are no less certain. Um, if you read... In John's Gospel, chapter 14, there in the Upper Room Discourse, one of the things that Jesus promises to the disciples is that where he was going to be, that they would be there also. He promises them, just in a, in a, in a similar vein to the, some of the promises that God gave Israel in the Old Testament, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's promises... Uh, to you are just as certain as they were to Israel, as they were to Joshua, Moses, and Joshua, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David. Our God hasn't changed. And that 
knowing that, knowing his promises are that sure, we may find strength and be tenacious to hang on, to know that no matter what challenges we're dealing with here in this life, that our God will not forsake us, just as he did not forsake his people. And in fact, the, just notice this, uh, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Um, this is really based upon not just wishful thinking on God's part, but this is based upon his very presence with his people. Um, if you're uh, if you're ever uh, given a new task to do in, in the workplace, um, well, I know for, I'll, I'll give an example from uh, Lukasek family here. So I know you guys are you older guys have been starting to drive some of the equipment and operate some equipment. In fact, you've been doing that for quite a while. Do you remember the first time your dad said to you? Okay, go hop in the skid steer or the front end loader or whatever. And uh, you've got this job. Um, I'll be over here doing this. Do you remember that feeling? Maybe some exhilaration, some excitement, but also, oh, dad's not in the cab with me. Right? That comfort of him being there to watch and make sure you didn't make a mistake. <laughs> you didn't pull the wrong lever, didn't, didn't step on the wrong pedal or whatever. Now you're on your own. Well, the Lord is basically saying, here you go. I'm putting you uh, here in this place to accomplish this task, and I will be with you. The fact of the matter is, is that when your dad did that the first time, I can guarantee that he did not go, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I think about that. I'm just over here doing my thing. And <laughs> No, he didn't do that. I know he's... Put you in that position, he's going. He's looking. He's making sure. And uh, that eagle eye out to make sure he was still with you, even if he wasn't in that cab with you. It's kind of that way, only even in a more infinite and wonderful way with our Lord, who is there in the cab with us. And in fact, though he's called upon us to do certain things, he's still doing the operation. He's just using us. Um, I, I really um, hate with a passion that uh, it used to be a real popular thing. I haven't seen it, thankfully, recently too much. But the whole idea that God is my co-pilot. I just hate that. Because we are never the pilot. He's the pilot. I mean, it's an imperfect analogy anyway. If anything, we would be the co-pilot. The fact is, is that he's the one who's driving the ship. But he calls upon us. He uses us as his fingers, as his hands, to accomplish his task. Praise God that he does that. It gives us an opportunity to see his hand at work and to have the blessing of serving in his stead. Absolutely. But knowing that he is present with us uh, gives us strength, gives us encouragement, helps us to keep at it and be tenacious. So we've got a sure command. We've got a sure promise based upon his very presence. But even more than that, take a look at verse 5. 
the second half of this. I already just read this a moment ago. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Something else here besides the, the promise aspect is latent in these sentences. And that is not just command and promise, but history. The history is sure. There's a track record of God's faithfulness. And you may be strong and courageous because of that track record. Just as I have been with Moses. Think about how God had been with Moses. At the, uh, well, even, sorry to say, at the Red Sea, even before the Red Sea, he's standing before Pharaoh and, and pronouncing God's judgments upon the land of Egypt and all the things that he witnessed God doing uh, through him. And then the crossing of the Red Sea as he stands in the waters part. That would leave an impression in your mind, I would think. The, the raising up of the brazen serpent, the giving of the manna, the giving of the quails, the, the, the giving of the water, over and over again. How had God been with Moses? Defense against rebels, defense against um, uh, the enemies of Israel, uh, power to provide for them, the very communion that, that Moses had with God. Think about what he experienced at the top of Mount Sinai. Moses was changed by that. In his communion with God. And able to see even the lesser parts of God's glory that, that God enabled him to withstand without perishing. Remarkable. And the promise to Joshua is no less remarkable. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, Joshua. Psalm 77. It's a, an incredible psalm of anguish and faith. The first half of the psalm, uh, the anguish is just palpable, even wondering if God had forgotten to be faithful, had, had stopped essentially being God in his character. Where are you? I am so grieved. I am so sorrowful. I am crushed. And the whole thing changes, not when the psalmist says, you know, I'm thinking about what I did and thinking about this and thinking about how how I had responded, and so on, which he does. He doesn't find any comfort there. The tone of the psalm changes when he says, but I will remember what you did, God. And he starts to go through the history, the history of God with his people Israel and the history of the Lord's ministry even to himself. And when he starts thinking, he stops thinking about himself and starts thinking about God and the history, the track record of God's faithfulness to him. The whole thing changes. We won't take time to read it. Go home and read it today, Psalm 77. It's it, The change is just remarkable. And it all hinges on who he's thinking about. And he finds strength and courage. There's nothing in the psalm that suggests 
that the circumstances that caused the anguish had changed. Nothing. What changed was his perspective and what he was trusting in, more specifically, who he was trusting. And just the whole psalm ends, significantly enough, by speaking of how the Lord led Moses and Aaron like a flock to rest. It just ends like with this sigh of relief at the end. It's beautiful. You will find your strength and courage to battle against the enemies of God, both the enemies that are without the church and the enemies within your own heart of sin, temptation, the devil. As you meditate upon the sure command, the sure promises that he's given to you, and the sure history of how he has ministered to you in the past, beginning uh, with your salvation and going forward. What is the history that you have with God that you look back upon? And I want to say this very carefully. If you can't find any reason for confidence in that history, you might want to revisit the nature of your faith and if it's there at all. Because when God has been busy in your life, uh, you will know it. Not that, oh, yeah, God's, God's been working in my life, and therefore I was perfect in the past. That's not what I'm talking about. Part of his working in you is to continue to convict you of sin, continuing to, to minister to you and teach you and grow you and sanctify you and make you more and more conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's a process. But there should be a process. And if there hasn't been, then it's time to think carefully about it. Do I really have a history at all with the Lord? And if not, well then, certainly uh, plead for his grace, plead for his mercy, humble yourself before him, and begin that history anew with him. Because he never fails his people. He never, ever fails his people. And when you come to terms with that and grasp a hold of that, then you will find that strength, that courage, that tenacious um, confidence and courage to move forward no matter what circumstances are in front of you. Well, I had intended to preach this all in one message. I should have known better because the last time I preached it in 2010, it took me three weeks to get through this outline. I was going to go faster this time, but uh, I didn't. So we'll look for the rest some more. <laughs> I won't say the rest. I'll just say we'll look forward to some more. It might be the rest uh, next week. Um, and uh, see what else we need that strength and courage for. Because it's not just about facing our enemies. And there again, there are enemies without and there are enemies within. And all kinds of temptations for us to turn tail and run before but there are other areas that this passage speaks to that uh, require strength and courage as well. So by God's grace, next week we'll pick this up and look at verses 7 through 9. And perhaps uh, you can, uh, if you look ahead in the notes and uh, read ahead, you can get an idea of where we're going with this particular section. And then also verses 10 through 18.
But strength and courage. Tenacity, boldness, taking hold of with bulldog determination. The inheritance that is ours of the peace of Christ that passes understanding. The joy that is ours as our as our sins, we, we acknowledge that our sins are only paid for by his finished work. And therefore, we find rest. Uh, what, a, what a blessed uh, inheritance that is. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, which just begun in Sunday school, um, a spoiler alert for chapter 4, we're going to be talking about God's rest. And it's related to Israel and uh, how they were not able to find their rest. They were not, even though they went in to possess this land, they were not able to find their rest for one very simple reason. Hebrews 4 says it's because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. Which is another way of talking about spiritual cowardice. No strength. No tenacity. No courage. God's promises were just too big for them to believe. They just couldn't. They couldn't grasp it in themselves. And so instead of looking to him, they looked to themselves and uh, ended up failing. And so they perished in the wilderness. Dear friends, in 2023, which 2023 is a flipping of the page on the calendar, okay? Today, January 1st, yay, it's New Year. It's a day on the calendar. It's, a, it's an excuse for us to say, all right, time's passing. What are we going to do about what's coming up? So what are we going to do about, coming up, what, about what's coming up? We're going to stand with strength and courage by the grace of God to face whatever the Lord brings our, our way, whatever enemies particularly are in front of us that would be preventing us from, from grasping a hold of our inheritance the enemies of our own sins, and yes, uh, threats to um, threats to uh, religion and liberty and all those things. Yeah, they're there. But be strong and courageous, dear friends. The Lord will grant us our inheritance in his good time. Never fear. So, yep, take that poll. Steady as she goes, but push through that door of uh, the year to come. And uh, let's walk with the Lord together with strength and courage to accomplish what he calls us to do. Thank you, Father, for your blessings, for this tremendous passage from Joshua chapter 1. Thank you that you have given us incredible promises of peace and joy and fulfillment in Christ. Lord, our sins get in the way of that. Our fears get in the way of that. Lord, encourage our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Help us to fix our eyes upon you and what you have done with the, the giving of your Son to pay the penalty for our sins so that we don't keep taking them up again, thinking uh, we have to that we have to uh, kill them. Lord, you've, you've done that. Help us to live in that victory. And trust in your, your wisdom. Follow your orders. Love your promises. Lord, and 
be confident knowing that just as you have been with us and with your people from the beginning, you will continue to do so today of coming again. Thank you, Lord, for what you'll do among us. In Jesus' name we pray.